The following episode of Bone Life contains discussion of and about suicide. This could be triggering for some. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or a crisis, please reach out immediately to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or text HOME to the crisis text line at 741-741. The services are free and confidential. Hello, lovers. Uh, Chris Bone coming at you with a uh, unique episode for the show. Um, September is Mental Health Awareness uh, Month, and so I thought that um, I would do a episode, kind of an extra episode about that. Um, I do have a guest here with me today that has been a friend for a long time, and... Uh, we experienced two different uh, events in our lives that can happen to anyone um, at any time, really. Uh, I, I had no idea. Uh, I, so what I'm about to share, um, I've been mulling over for a really long time. Um, I've never shared it with my therapist, uh, no one, not even friends, family, um, until recently, um, just my therapist and my best friend. But, um, so I always felt like I wasn't ready. So I've just discussed it and talked about it. And it's important to me now considering, uh, the pandemic and what's happened and taken place. And so I thought, you know, uh, even things can happen to me, um, which most people don't, um, you know, consider because most people think that I'm just not human. I'm not really sure. (laughs) So here we go. Um, I like this, uh, quote, uh, it was, it's like actually a Lana thing, but she says that, um, I was in the winter of my life. Uh, I like that because it really was winter when it happened. And it's also how I felt at the time. But it was in uh, winter of 2017. And I was spiraling and I knew that I was. Um, I had just left my husband six months prior. And my grandmother was uh, deemed terminally ill and dying with cancer. And I just wasn't ready for anything that was happening or about to happen to me. Um, I had at that time an electric car that I was on auto drive and it was later in the evening, about 10 PM. It was like a weekday and I was driving back home to the city. I had drinks at dinner and I have a high tolerance, but I knew that I was legally drunk and I think that I was doing the same thing that millions of people do. Um, And it was just a dinner where I had a few glasses of wine. However, on this particular night, uh, my car made me go into manual drive mode and I took, you know, control of the car and I changed lanes to get over just in case there was something wrong with the car. And uh, it was just a series of events. And there happened to be a state trooper that was not far behind me and I was pulled over. 
Uh, I was nice to him and gave him all my info. And then he asked if I had been drinking and to which I said yes. And he asked how many. And I said, I think I had three or four glasses of wine. And um, I I guess that does seem like a lot. But, you know, this was a two-hour event. And so it's like, you know, a glass every 30 minutes, which doesn't seem crazy. But nonetheless... Uh, he asked if I'd be willing to blow, and I said yes, and he escorted me to his car, and we left mine there, and I uh, went to a nearby station where I did blow, and of course, I was over the legal limit of .08, and that's when I knew I was in trouble. Um, it was weird, because all he did was hand me a ticket, and like a citation, and said I was free to go. I thought I was going to be in jail for I didn't know how long, but he said, call my mom, and I did, and she came and picked me up. Um, She dropped me off at home, and my parents made arrangements to have my car picked up and drove to my apartment. But when I got home, I remember I was standing over my sink in my bathroom, and my hands were still black from the ink of being fingerprinted. And I had smudged some on my face from crying uh, silently to myself in the car with my mom earlier. Um, we don't really show emotion in my family. We just keep it to ourselves. So I had started like vigorously just like scrubbing my hands and I was throwing like water on my face and just trying to get this ink off me and then I just ripped off my clothes and jumped in the shower and I was scrubbing my body like crazy I just wanted the entire night off of my body and then after I got out I grabbed everything I was wearing and just threw it in a trash bag and walked down the hall and threw it in the trash chute and I came back and I just sat on the edge of my bed and I was thinking to myself, like, how the hell did I get here? Like, how did I, of all people, get here thinking that I've always followed the rules and done what I was told to do? And here I am now with a possible misdemeanor DWI. And I was immediately thinking, like, overnight I turned into my father and, you know, it just all these emotions and thoughts were running through my head and I was ashamed I mean I was embarrassed I didn't know who the person I was at that moment um I'm at the time I was 32 I was a software engineer I just left my husband of 12 years and now I'm breaking the law and getting DWI citations just couldn't wrap my head around the whole thing. Um, so I just, I thought my life was over. I really did. I, I couldn't see how it was possibly going to get better in that moment. And I, it didn't really cross my mind that I would take my life, but I definitely wrote four letters to four individuals thinking that if I did, I was prepared. And I was scared. I was alone and I didn't reach out for help, but I 
was just planning for the worst. I really didn't know where to go from there. I ultimately decided to sleep on it and I woke up the next day and, uh, you know, I, my parents had already contacted a lawyer and everything was going to be okay. And so I'm glad that I wasn't drastic in that moment because I was already depressed, you know, divorce is torture and I was miserable and I just wasn't well and I was scared of losing my grandmother and I I just wasn't well and I'm glad that I did because I'm glad that I'm here today. I mean, I am healthy and happy again. And, um, I mean, every day is such a blessing and, you know, it's life is beautiful. You have to, um, I don't know. You have to just sleep on it. It's the only thing reach out for help, you know, call a friend. Um, but, uh, that was where I was in that moment. And, um, so I overcome that and I'm grateful that I did. I mean, I know that not everyone does. And so my friend and guest, uh, today, um, has a story as well. Um, we're going to keep her anonymous, but, um, we were friends for about a year and I had woke up in the middle of the night, which I rarely do to use the restroom and came back and laid back down and was going back to sleep. And I checked the time on my phone and I saw that I had some, uh, notifications and one of them was a photo uh, from Snapchat and it was um, just a photo of the forearm and it was just a gash in the arm and uh, I I was shocked in the moment and I didn't know uh, what was going on and I didn't know what to how to respond or what to do and I I believe I responded and I, th- I even think I called possibly, but there was probably chaos going on. I can only imagine on your end. And I, the only thing I could think of was like, how, like, think Christopher, think, 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 like, how do I get help to her? Because I don't know how to get a hold of ambulance in her area. And I don't know what did it, but I just thought I'm going to call the suicide hotline. And I did. And they do have protocols in place for this. And all I knew was the street address and zip code. I didn't know the city name. And that's kind of where I panicked in that moment because I didn't know where to Google um, locally. And I felt like I was getting too much like wishy-washy city names with the zip code. So when I gave the hotline, 
the street address and zip code, they were able to put me on hold and connect and get 911 services to the house. And um, I just stayed on the line until they reached her and um, were able to talk and ultimately transport to get you fixed up. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I just snorted. I, (laughs) I, I was so scared that a, you were going to be mad at me because um, I didn't know if they're going to kick in your door or what they were going to do. But I also worried for you, for your family. Like I didn't want your yeah. parents finding out. And I don't know. Like all these things ran through my head. But ultimately, I was like, I just needed to get you help. Well, thank you. I appreciate you calling. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that you're here. I really am, and. That night is a is a big blur, but I know that there was alcohol involved, and that's always a slippery slope when you battle depression. But I just, I had, you know, I was in the process of recovering from my arm break when I fell down the steps, and I had my new puppy, so I fractured my upper arm and my wrist, so that was healing. And it just kind of felt like it was just one bad thing after another. Um, cause I wasn't able to, um, I wasn't able to work at that point because I couldn't, I had to keep my arm elevated and I had to lay down half the time and it was, it was awful. Um, but I just remember being in front of the kitchen sink, cleaning up the, the bottles that we drank out of and, I saw a knife and I just said, screw it. And I just, you know, I sliced myself two times, one right near the stitches of my healing wrist. So that was, that just goes to show how impulsive it was and how stupid it was. Yeah. I didn't even realize um, until we had a family issue last year that there are types of suicide, like, the one that we dealt with was impulsive and that's the one that you dealt with as well. But there's obviously like planned and or premeditated or whatever you want to call it. But I never heard of impulsive suicide because I just thought, you know, suicide was suicide, but there's different levels of it. Yeah. With, you know, when, when you battle depression, it's like, there's always some degree of, you know, darkness on the outskirts of your brain. And, you know, alcohol is really good at creating a a straight line. (laughs) So. Well, and when you think about doing something that you're nervous about doing, alcohol is always the thing that we go to first. Exactly. To accomplish it. Whether it's like giving a speech or, um, I don't know, anything like the liquid courage, right? So. Uh Alcohol definitely plays a huge part, but I mean, that was definitely your cry for help. And I'm glad that you sent the snap. And I too. I don't remember doing it, but I'm glad that I did. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many others you sent it to, but I don't, I mean, you had my phone number, but I guess that was a more less direct way to cry for help, but obviously it 
got me up and yeah. it's just amazing that I just happened to get up that night to go to the bathroom because, and then afterwards, um, I guess you were, um, getting help for a couple days. Yeah. I had about a 32 hour hold in, um, the psychiatric unit over in um, East St. Louis. Oh no. So that was rough. I, I don't recommend that for anyone. <laughs> and yeah, but you had a lot of people that reached out and I think that's where we kind of fail sometimes in life is we don't tell one another we love them enough or that we'd miss them. I'm not sure, but yeah, you had a lot of support. Oh, yeah. I was outpouring of people who I didn't even, who I didn't even think saw any of my posts or interacted with anything, but yeah, tons of messages and it felt, it felt good. It was, it was terrible that that had to happen in order for me to realize how many people cared about me. Yeah. But I mean, I still, I still think about that sometimes, like all the messages of people just like, I know we don't talk much, but I'm here for you. And yeah, you know, that does, that really does make a difference. And just, this was before the pandemic. Yeah. So. No, it's very true. I mean, I think that we so loosely say, oh, call me anytime. But I think that we really should do it and mean it. But well, how are you doing today? Today, today is an okay day. Today is today is an exciting day because I got to come here and be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't I don't typically do too much during the during the day, so you know that was exciting. I got to get out of my comfort zone and do this. I know because we've been talking about this for like two three weeks, I guess. Yeah. I didn't want to pressure you into it, but I thought, oh my gosh, this just—I mean, I just. This I'm. I mean, I hope it'll never happen again in my life, but it did happen in my life, and uh, it it just goes to show that. I mean, people would never ever think that I would have considered suicide, but until I mean, I just I've always felt like we're one bad day or one tragic thing away from a stupid decision away from a stupid decision. And I mean, we make stupid decisions all the time. It's just, I don't know. It's how we deal with them. Right. So, well, I have, uh, since, um, done TMS, uh, that that worked, I believe. Uh, I noticed a difference after that. I did that because of the family situation that we had last year. I did that this year and then I did ketamine that, got me through that. And then just, you know, therapy, I mean, therapy is ultimately the cure staying in therapy and, um, it's just good method of coping with depression. But I always wonder, like, I asked a friend the other day, I was like, have you ever been depressed? And he said, no. And I was like, well, how do you know, though? Right. And he was like, I just know. I was like, but how do you know, though? 
he couldn't really answer. I was just curious, but yeah, depression's weird. I, because how do you know? Yeah, I think it's only when you have you experience it on a daily basis do you realize, like, yeah. oh, this is depression. Okay, I get it. I mean, there's I, obviously science and a checklist and all that, but yeah. And I think that for some people, it's just a matter of what they allow themselves to think about and process. And so there probably are a lot more people who have depression than we realize, but they're just so, what's the word I'm looking for? They're just used to operating in such a way that it doesn't appear like there's anything wrong. Yeah, or they cope with alcohol. <laughs> yeah, that works. That, that or, doesn't work, but they do that too. Yeah, or they do, yeah, alcohol or drugs. All right, we'll wrap up. Um, I just wanted to add that um, sharing stories like this with loved ones and friends can help give hope to others um, by sharing your experience. Uh, we can all change the conversation about suicide from one tragedy to one of hope and healing so um if you are ever in need of help uh reach out to a loved one or the you know suicide hotline um there's so many resources and i'll post them on my instagram but um there is help and there's lots of resources these days especially coming out of the pandemic we've really made huge changes to how we view mental health so um just know you're not alone um that there are millions of people that think about it um i i i don't know that i would ever believe anyone who said that they've never thought about it because it's kind of I don't know. I, I not that I'm gonna do it, but like, what would it be like if I wasn't here or something like that? I'm not really sure, but right. to say that I've never thought about it, mm, I'm not sure I believe that. But anyways, well, love you, kids. Be good. Make good decisions. And till next time. <laughs>